Brett, tell us a little bit about how the conference has been for you so far. Anything that stood out for you? Oh, absolutely. So I've been here a long time ago. A long time ago, I mean like maybe eight years ago. And Great. it's just been replaying some memories about things that I heard then and looking at uh, the momentum in my spiritual life and the places God has led me ever since then. And so it's, it's an awesome experience because now I can look and pray for all the people that are here in the very same way. Awesome. And you know, I, I heard uh, you just joined the National Prayer Ministry. So you've got, how long has it been? A couple of years since the first National Prayer Summit, we were invited by the directors, Doug and Margie Newton, to take place on the leadership team. And this year we've been asked to actually be event coordinators for the National Prayer Summit. So doing that as well as participating in just wherever the Lord would call, traveling, teaching, uh, leading people in the direction of more actual praying and deeper and different ways of praying than maybe they've ever discovered before. Emily, tell us about coming to the World Ministry Center for the very first time. What do you think? Um, I was a little surprised. Surprised uh, about what? Well, when people talk about it, they talk about like this big grand thing and when I pulled up for some reason I had in my mind like this all glass building or something so I was surprised at that but I think it is really cool to see that our whole headquarters is in like a building that presents humility and it's not some grand thing it's not some big mega million dollar building it's just a regular building but so many important things are happening here and so I think that that's really cool that's actually really really good observation I was thinking the exact same thing this is my first time here okay so what are your thoughts here Rodney I was impressed right from the get-go great really enjoying it good a lot good. of learning is it, have you just joined the Free Methodist denomination? Actually, or? on May 7th. Awesome. How, how are you enjoying the conference? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. Awesome. Super. That's a good, that, that's what I like to hear. If it was bad, we'd cut that part out. Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hello once again, this is Josh Avery with FMC Radio, and I guess that uh, stock intro that I put before each episode lets you know that already, so that was a real re reiteration of what you just heard. Uh, but this is episode number 25. We are a quarter of a way to 100. Um, I don't know that that necessarily means anything, but 25 seems like a good landmark. Uh, for us. So it is exciting to be at number 25. And uh, I am so excited about the um, just the feedback that we've been getting recently on our episodes. Uh, episode 24, if you were able to listen last week, my wife Chris and I talked about uh, hymns. And we talked about specifically Wesleyan hymns. If you're not uh, if you weren't able to catch that episode, you can, of course, go go back now and listen to that, um, download episode number 24. Um, but we did have uh, quite a few uh, comments and feedback on that episode. So I wanted to read a few for you today and just comment on it. Um, over on the uh, Facebook page, we had a few people. We had a guy named David that said, uh, he said this, I'm amazed by how weak the liturgy seems to be in many modern churches. Uh, David, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Um, I know many people who feel the same way as you. And what's interesting is that uh, many people who have that same sentiment are usually um, on the older side. And now I'm not saying that you're elderly. <laughs> I, I didn't go to your profile and look to see, now is this guy, how old is this guy? Um, but uh, it, it is um, maybe the, the 50, 60 plus crowd that usually feel this way. Um, because I, I, I think what we see here is that um, you are used to, or, or that generation is used to in a certain way of doing church. 
right? It's it's used to a certain kind of liturgy, um, you know, uh, sing the doxology. That was a big part of the liturgy. Um, you know, sing a certain amount of hymns. You know, um, say the Lord's prayer. There were certain things that if you didn't if you didn't have that in a church service, it wasn't church, right? Um, so I understand where you're coming from, and and I know you grew up with this, and now you don't see it. Um, but at the same time, what what comes to my mind is. Um, some of the things that our bishops have been speaking about in in the more recent years, talking about um, revitalization and recalibration, and talking about um, in modern day. Now, we don't want to take away from any of the power of the potency of the gospel. We don't want to water down the gospel, um, but we do need to change some things over over the years. And as we're seeing now in our in our churches, modern contemporary music, and we're seeing um, different things happen that have not happened before in the terms of the style, you know, of the music and sometimes the lineup, those things are changing because, of course, um, the world is changing and because the people that are attending the churches uh, are changing. So again, that doesn't mean that we need to water anything down, and, and I hope you don't you don't get that from what I'm saying, um, and, and we don't need to weaken anything, um, but change does not necessarily mean weak. And so, David, I'm not sure if that's what you meant by your comment. I, I, I don't know that you meant that at all, but for anybody who is thinking that, who thinks, you know, change means that it's, that it's bad, uh, change does not necessarily mean bad. Now, the old stuff is great as well, and that's why we did that podcast last week um, to talk about the hymns, because the old stuff is just as good. The old stuff is great and, and has a place, and some of those lyrics, as we talked about, those hymns are, are very amazing. And in fact, Jane, another uh, commenter here on the, uh, on the Facebook page, said, these lyrics are ingrained in my heart and head. I love it when songs incorporate traditional and contemporary lyrics. She says, we can never forget our roots. And I think that's true as well. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it's great. I love, I'm really, really loving these new songs that are putting the contemporary music along with some of those traditional hymn songs. And that really reaches out to a lot of people. Um, and it also is just an amazing way to incorporate the old and the new. Uh, a woman named Pamela says, my grandparents were old time free Methodists. Grandpa was, in, was a free Methodist pastor as well. They had a morning devotional with hymns, singing, and a devotion. They had two books for the hymns, one with words and one with music. They would say, let's sing number such and such to the tune of dot, dot, dot. And she says she misses them dearly. It's a pretty cool little memory there. And uh, I'm not sure if Pamela came from the growing up free Methodist group, but I, I would. I mentioned this last week, but that's a pretty cool group. If you have the chance, if you're involved in the Free Methodist Church and you're listening to this, go ahead and go onto Facebook and just type in Growing Up Free Methodist, and you'll see a group there. It has uh, 3,000, close to 4,000 members, 3,882 members there. And uh, once you join, you're going to see some really, really cool stuff. Uh, people who are, have grown up in the Free Methodist Church their whole life talking about some things that uh, that, that they remember from their day and uh, kind of how things used to be versus how they are now. And, and it's nobody complaining. I don't want anybody to get that idea of, of saying, you know, there's people on there complaining of that now versus then mentality. But it's just an interesting um, historical and also, interesting things we can definitely learn from today kind of perspective as well. So I want to, I want to, uh, thank everybody for commenting this past week, and I invite you to continue to do the same for this episode. Uh, comment over on the Facebook page, send an email, josh at befreemc.org, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you. You know, call the call the show voicemail. There are many ways to respond, but um, it was great to hear from many of you this week. And speaking of, of hearing from you, um, you have heard me talk about in the previous shows my excitement of getting ready to attend the Starting Strong Conference 2017 held in Indianapolis at our World Ministry Center for the Free Methodist Church. And that has now passed. I just got back uh, this past week. And uh, it was a great time. It was an exciting time. And like I say, speaking of, of hearing from people, I was able to meet many of you there. And uh, I, I wish I had all the names in front of me of the people that I met. Uh, it was great to meet um, some of you. I, I met I met a superintendent who, who says that he listens all the time. So a little shout out to him. Um, and some other people who are new listeners and, and people who have listened for a while. It's always great to hear um people's reactions to to what I'm doing because the thing is is it's nice to have that um, encouragement um, to have the encouragement from from all of you who are listening as as you've 
heard if you listen to episode one or some some times when I've recanted it or recanted not, is not the word when I've recounted it when I've retold the story um, as you may have heard I started FMC radio simply because it was something that I personally wished existed I, I wished that there was a free Methodist podcast that would get into some of these issues and talk to different people from the from the denominations and that I could hear some of these things and since it didn't exist I decided well I'll start it up but I didn't know if anybody else would be interested in something like this so it's always very encouraging to know that I'm not just doing this for myself that there are people out there that are are real people that are listening um, and it's it's always always exciting to meet people as well um, really great to meet the Finleys this past Last uh, week as well, Jen Finley and, and Jeff, um, and, and I'll get into that a little bit here, but um, I want to tell you a little bit before we get into our main interview for today after our break, I want to tell you a little bit about um, the Starting Strong 2017 conference, and it was my first time going to the World Ministries Center, um, and if you've never been there, um, I would encourage you to go there. If you have the chance, um, especially maybe wait a couple months until the new historical uh, society, the new historical area is open. Um, but I would very highly encourage you to go check it out and, and ask for a tour and, and look at it. Um, I, I, I think my first thoughts upon pulling into the parking lot on day one of this conference was exactly, I, I would almost have said it word for word, um, of Emily, that the, the woman who, who spoke in that intro segment, if you listen to, to part of our intro segment, I had different people, th those were all different random attenders um, of the Starting Strong Conference, and uh, I was just walking around with a microphone and just kind of going up to people randomly and just recording what you know their thoughts and, and little um, clips here and there. And uh, But what Emily said, she was the one who talked about um, how she was surprised when she pulled up. And it's almost word for word my exact thoughts. When I pulled up, I looked at it and I thought, wow, it seems to be, <laughs> it's not that it's a tiny building, but it seems to be a small building. I was expecting World you know, world Ministry Center. Oh, this thing's gonna be sprawling. This is gonna be huge. And, and when I say that, I don't mean that in a negative sense. I don't mean to say like, man, this, it was, it, you know, boy, would they really uh, have this, you know, nothing building or I don't want to, I don't want to say it in a negative way. I'm saying that in a, in a positive praiseworthy way in that you would expect the World Ministries Center to be this amazing, you know, millions of dollars building, you know, because it's the headquarters for the denomination. And yet it wasn't that. It was uh, almost humbleness in the building. There was almost a humbleness in in that building and to the point I don't want you to get the wrong idea that it was like run down in any way or you know hey well we're going to use our money elsewhere so we're just going to let this fall fall apart as I have already mentioned they're doing renovations in fact when we were there when we were on our tour we had a lot of things that were laying around in, in some of the offices because they were redoing the carpet so they, they they're they're keeping it nice but it's only if you go there, I think, will you get what I'm saying. There's a humbleness about the building that you just think, wow, this is the World Ministry Center for the entire denomination, and it's it's not what I would have expected in a good way. Uh, when you go inside and you see everything, it's, it's pretty amazing, though. Um, and let me give you just a kind of a visual tour here in a moment. But before we move off of that humbleness, I, I need to point this out, and I'm going to po post a picture over on the Facebook group um, sometime this week, probably on uh, Tuesday or, or Wednesday here. But um, there, uh, just to give you an idea, again, of the humbleness, I've talked a little bit about a building, but you think, well, how can a building be humble? But let me give you an idea of the humbleness of our leaders. Um, and I could give you a million more stories of this, but as uh, I, I didn't see this, but uh, my former pastor, Pastor Doug Raby in the Pittsburgh Conference, he's now the Pittsburgh Conference Superintendent, Superintendent Raby, he uh, pulled up with his family and uh, those who were attending with him from Pittsburgh Conference, and he sees somebody out there weed whacking, this woman doing the weed whacker outside the building. Okay, you know, whatever. And as they're walking by, they look over, and it's Yvonne Roller. And if you don't know who that is, Yvonne Roller is uh, the bishop's wife, Bishop David Roller's wife, one of our three bishops. Uh, he's in the eastern side, but his wife is out there weed whacking. And again, it's this idea that when you think about it, you think, okay, 
as we've said with in in our interviews with the bishop, so you get a picture of a bishop. He's kind of high and above everybody, and so maybe you picture the wife and you think, oh, she's probably inside, and you know she's she's meeting and greeting, shaking hands, you know, um, to borrow the phrase, kissing butts. You know, what I mean? you know, you know, she's just in there, kind of, you know, maybe she's in there, you know, trying to make everybody feel good or whatever, you know. But no, what's the first thing she's doing? She's out there weed whacking. I mean, I'm sure they have somebody who, whose this job is to go out and, you know, garden and do these types of things, mow the grass. But here's the bishop's wife out there weed whacking. And again, it's this humbleness. She doesn't see herself as, well, I'm, I'm the bishop's wife. I need to be in the office and, and preparing for the seminars, you know, or I need to be in there, you know, uh, meeting and greeting, shaking hands. No, that, there was a time for that. There, sure enough, there was a time to meet and to, to talk to her and spend time with her. But if you've ever spent any time with Yvonne, um, she's an amazing person. And, and that's true of many of our leaders. They are amazing people. But I have to specifically speak about Yvonne Roller right now. Um, that wasn't a one-time thing. Yvonne Roller, um, probably every single day when there's not even anybody around, she's out there doing these types of things because that's just the kind of person that she is. So I need to say that. Um, and again, it's just this humbleness. It's just this amazing picture of servant leadership. Um, and literally, thankfully, uh, Pastor Doug, Superintendent Doug, took a picture that I will post on the Facebook page this week. So please keep your eyes open for that because it, it's it's literally a picture of servant leadership. It's, an, it's a beautiful picture. Um, so, um, anyway, so, 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 so getting into the building and, and walking around the building, um, it reminded me, um, a little bit in some ways, if you've ever heard of the Google building or, um, the Pixar building, because, um, it, it seems to me as if everybody kind of has a little free reign of their space and of their office. And it was striking to see in the different offices that I did go into, um, how many, how, how different the themes were. It wasn't like you go in and, okay, everybody has the tan walls and the same carpet. I mean, it was you go into different rooms and different offices, and everybody had a little, uh, their own little kind of uh, touch to their own office. It was kind of cool to see that. Um, and, and even the areas were really cool. And I've actually posted online um, some pictures of, uh, uh, as much as I could, of a visual tour um, I posted this past week of, of the offices. And like I say, there were a lot of places I didn't take pictures because of the, the carpet being changed out. Um, you'll see that, that I didn't take pictures of everything. Um, the ICCM offices, for example, I didn't take a picture there because they had a bunch of filing cabinets out and things like that. So, but... Um, Every area, every department had its own kind of cool um, feel to it. So, for example, um, the Light and Life magazine area has all its offices off of one big um, common area. And in that common area, they have, as you'll see in the picture, if you go ahead and check out the pictures, you'll see they have a ping pong table in there. And so uh, why that's one thing that really reminded me of Google is, is these kinds of places where when people are just have this creative um, flow about them and they're kind of at that roadblock, you know, you're, you're writing an article as they do over at Light and Life or, you know, you're working on something and it's just like, man, I, I just can't get past this. I'm really having trouble. I need to take a break. Well, they'll go out there and they'll have, um, you know, take a little break, take their breaks and they'll play ping pong. They'll play ping pong after they're off work and just kind of uh, increase the community there. And it's just kind of like a fun aspect that in most offices you wouldn't see. Um, and you know that they're, it's not like they're fooling around all the time. You know, they're getting work done because we, we have the fruits of that, you know, in the magazine that we get once a month at our churches. Um, and as we'll hear a little bit about here in a minute when we talk to Jeff Finley in the second half of our show. Um, but, uh, but, but there's still, this, this is what you see all throughout this building. You see, hey, there's areas for getting the stuff done that needs to be done. But there's other areas that are just kind of, I guess it is maybe cheesy to say because it's the Free Methodist Church, but they have a freedom about them. They have a, it's just an air of freedom in this place that I told Jay, and you'll hear this when, when you hear my interview with Jay Cordova that I've already recorded, um, the communications director, I told him that it just seems like a really fun place to work. It seems like a place that would be a really just kind of um, 
great place. And not that there's not stressful times or that not that there's um, not times where, you know, hey, we need to get really serious and get this deadline done type stuff as in anywhere else. But it seems to be a place that people are not just in their own little offices and doing their own little thing, but that they're networking, they're coming together. ICCM is right next to Seed, who is right next to, you know, the, the Light and Life magazine, who is right next to the bishop's offices. You know, it's all right there. And these people are working together, sharing their resources, and it's, and it's amazing to see. So uh, go ahead and look on there for some of the, the pictures and, and, and more on, on just what I mean by that. But um, as far as the content of the sessions, I just want to, I mean, there's so many things and so many people that spoke over the course of these three days at Starting Strong 2017, but I just pull out one thing from each of our bishops um, that I would like you to think about, um, and I, it's just three different phrases. So Bishop Thomas came up first on the first day, and uh, he pointed out that people often quit a dream or whatever it is that they're doing because of the immediate results, not looking forward to the potential outcome. So I want to challenge you on that and for you to personally think, maybe you even need to pause this podcast for a second because each of these are, are kind of heavy, heavy moments here, each of these three points. So I want you to think about that statement and I want you to think, is there something in your life that you're getting discouraged about that you say, I, I'm just going to quit because you're looking at immediate results and you're not looking forward to that potential outcome that God may have? Um, think about that question. Again, pause it if you need to. Secondly, Bishop Kendall um, had this to say uh, in the midst of a lot of other things. He said, only floods of grace, suffering, and self-sacrifice by the right person, meaning Jesus, can resolve anger, violence, and vengeance that are central to the human story. And so it's not, um, as we see in Genesis, it's not a flood of water. And it's not a flood of anger. It's not a flood of violence that can resolve the vengeance and violence that is central to the human story, God says that the only flood that's really going to really truly resolve it all is flood of grace, suffering, and self-sacrifice by Christ, by the right person. And so um, my question to you for this one is this, and again, pause it if you need to. What, uh, do you believe this? Do you believe that? That it's only through floods of grace, through floods of self-sacrifice, that we can overcome the pain and misery that is in the human world. And if you believe that, are you living like you believe it? Now, thirdly, uh, Bishop Roller came up on our final day and uh, on Friday morning, and he said this, uh, in the, again, in the midst of many other things. He said, good relationships are evidence of the restoration of Christ. And we need to be avoiding that relational breakdown. And so um, he talked, he got into more about that relational breakdown and what causes us to, to break down in our relationships in the church. But um, good relationships are evidence of that restoration in our lives and the restoration of Christ in our lives. Um, and so my question to you to think about on this one is, um, is there evidence in your life and in your relationships of the restoration of Christ? Is there evidence? If, you know, if a detective came into your life and he was looking for clues that you had had restoration with Christ, if a detective came in and, and would you be guilty for having a new life with Christ or would, would they say, well, we can't really, we don't really have the evidence? Again, pause it if you need it. There's so much more I could say about Starting Strong 2017, I, I on, on the way home, the pastor that I drove with, he asked me, well, well how'd you, how would you rate the whole thing on a scale of 1 to 10? And I said, it's, that's hard to say. I mean, because are we rating this on the amount of, you know, the content? I mean, are, are, are my, am I rating what was said and what I got out of it? I mean, am I rating the whole experience? Because I said, that is, it's so hard. I said, that is, that is so hard to do because for me, I wrap it all up and it's, it's a very high number. I don't even know how to rate it because I don't want to go crazy because if I say 10, you'll say, oh, that's, that's over the top. You know, there's no way it could have been a 10 <laughs> because I feel like that's just like saying too much. Um, but, but, but it's up there. I mean, for me, this event w was very um, important for me. 
not just because of the content, because the content was great, and I just gave you some of it, and you can maybe tell why, but this event was great for me because of the people that I've talked to on email, the people that I've talked to over the phone, the people that I've heard about, um, getting that one-on-one -on -one time with these leaders, seeing where it is that they do what they do, um, seeing the headquarters for, for International Child Care Ministries, um, I could go on and on. Seeing those things honestly really did make this event a 10 for me. Um, and I know many other people who have been to many other conferences or been to the, the World Ministry Center before, they may say, oh, it was a seven, it was an eight, you know, whatever. They may rate it lower. But for me, for my very first time, for the things that I told you about and many more, this was an event that I would sure I, I would certainly recommend to any pastors, but I would really recommend to anybody. Um, I honestly would. I would recommend this to anyone, and I would especially recommend you to go out there and check it out. Now, I need to move on. Um, when we come back, I will be uh, sitting down with none other than Jeff Finley, the managing editor of Light and Life magazine. We'll be back. some right to come around, praying for release. Bottle rockets in the streets Never really had it dead No, all that you had was your hope Keep your eyes open where you roam Because you never know When your life's about to change Welcome back to FMC Radio. We are here at the World Ministry Center in Indianapolis, and I'm sitting here with Jeff Finley, the managing editor of the Light and Life magazine. And if you are a part of a Free Methodist Church, it's pretty likely that you have um, at least seen, if not read, the Light and Life magazine. Um, it's delivered to many of the churches, many of the Free Methodist churches, and um, so if you haven't had the chance, hopefully after hearing today's uh, episode, you will know a little bit more, of course, but that you would be uh, going next Sunday to your church looking for a copy. And if you don't have a copy, maybe asking your pastor to pick up a copy. So uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on and talking to us today. Thank you. I'm a longtime listener, first time guest. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, that's a... That's very true. Yeah, and, and we have had people call in and say that on the voicemail before. Well, we had one guy that calls in on the voicemail and says that, uh, that old, that classic phrase. So I thought it'd be funny. I probably heard it on another <laughs> episode, and then it got lodged in my brain. Yes, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing to say. Well, tell us about your um, history within the Free Methodist Church, and I know that you, you previously had a role at the Sun-Times Media, um, and is that uh, in Indianapolis? No, that's Chicago. Okay, Chicago. Okay. See, th th some of these things you're going to have to <laughs> fill me in on because that's the great part about this is I don't know anything about anything sometimes when I'm interviewing people. <laughs> so I'm asking all the questions um, that, you know, I don't even have the answers to. So so you were in Chicago. So tell us about your history within the Free Methodist Church and, and how you came to be where you're at now. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, and if oh, you yeah. need to cut me off at some point, uh, please oh, do. Fine. But I've been a free Methodist since age three, except for a couple of prodigal years in megachurch land. <laughs> uh, but I grew up in southern Illinois near St. Louis, and I was in a small church that's part of the Gateway Conference. It was Central Illinois Conference at the time. Okay. Uh, I attended uh, what's now Greenville University, then Greenville College, and I met my wife, Jen, who's a uh, pastor's daughter, and her family goes back uh, quite a ways in the church history. So uh, I married into a family with a lot deeper uh, Free Methodist legacy uh, even uh, than, than I have. My wife's, uh, or I'm sorry, my, my mother's parents became Free Methodists at some point. So I do have some family history on my mother's side, but my wife's family is like the real deal. So uh, anyway. <laughs> They're official. Um, but uh, we actually, so I met my wife at a Free Methodist College, Greenville, and then uh, our son was actually adopted through a Free Methodist affiliated adoption agency. So oh, wow. I really okay. owe my 
both my marriage and my family to uh, the Free Methodist Church and its affiliated institutions. Wow, that's really great. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that about the about the adoption. And w- what is the name of the agency that that you can it's adopt? It's Deaconess in Oklahoma City. Okay, I have heard of that. That'll be see see in some of these interviews too. I get some ideas for future episodes. That'd be great to talk more about that in a future episode as well. But um, that that's awesome. So so you have uh, a history. And so what what led you to working here in Indianapolis then? Sure. Uh, well, I uh, started out as a reporter. I'll give you my backstory about yeah. the, the Sun-Times media first and then go into that because uh, it kind of builds into it. So sure. I started as, uh, in uh, 1999, I believe it was, as a reporter for the Pioneer Press newspapers uh, that at the time were the suburban editions of the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper. Uh, since I left six years ago, they were actually sold to the Chicago Tribune. At one point, mm. my dream was to work for the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. So if I would have stayed, but I'm very happy actually <laughs> to be doing what I'm doing and not uh, part of the newspaper industry. So uh, after a couple of years, I became an editor at age 26, and I managed several reporters and edited local news coverage for 10 years. And then my parents saw an ad in a church bulletin um, for the that there was an opening with the communications department. At the time, it was actually called Lead Writer, uh, but it turned out there was really editing the magazine uh, as well as doing some reporting. And so I applied for that, but my wife uh, was directing the outpatient program at a psychiatric hospital in the Chicago area. We had a a pretty new townhouse that we had put down a mortgage on, and also I thought, well, I'll apply, but I don't think it's not going to work out to get the job. I can't move to Indianapolis (laughs) right now. So uh, I went ahead and applied and uh, didn't hear back for a while, but then ultimately got called and interviewed and was offered mm. the job and told I could work remotely. We oh, okay. only come to Indianapolis a few times a year, so great. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, after about three years, uh, my wife and I uh, decided to actually move to Indianapolis. Mm. We're closer to, to her family. Her parents live about an hour away. And okay. uh, we in the Chicago area had no family within four or five hours so uh decided to make the move so here i am i have to actually you know put on a you know some decent clothes and get out of bed <laughs> in the morning uh and instead of working from home but it's definitely <laughs> worth it to be here and enjoy uh missed out on a lot of events like starting strong that you're a part of right now yeah yeah so good to be here working in the building and also having this job how many years has that been now that you've been here? So six years. Six well, three years. years. Three years living. Okay. In okay. So it's been. Half, so I guess yeah. I'm a Hoosier now. I don't know if I <laughs> take the title or not, but. Awesome. Well, that's cool. So, so um, I mean, is it how is it living in Indianapolis? Do you like it? Are you happy now? It's that you good. Move? Yeah. It. I grew up in the St. Louis area and then lived in the Chicago area. And Indianapolis yeah. reminds me a lot of the St. Louis area. It's much more. The cost of living is much lower. Um, and just there are a lot of still a lot of cultural things. The downtown area, no, no offense to my native St. Louis area, but the downtown Indianapolis is much nicer. Yeah. Uh, just just a really great uh, urban space and uh, just a lot, a lot to do here. So, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, the one time I haven't been uh, this trip to Indianapolis, I have not been downtown, but a few years ago I was in, in the city and it's a lot easier to get around than some of the other cities that I've been to. Pittsburgh with one-way streets all the time, and I mean that's just so confusing. And but Indianapolis, yeah, if you ever get the chance to come out, uh, certainly, definitely come out and, and um, check out the city. But then, if you if you have the chance, come over and check out the World Ministry Center too. As we've been here, um, it's been exciting to see all the different areas that are part of it. And I didn't know what to expect when I came here, but I think I can actually also echo. The sentiments of, of um, a woman who, who attended here that I talked to earlier today, and she said she was surprised um, in first coming because when you think of World Ministry Center, a denominational um, center, you think of some huge sprawling <laughs> building, and when you pull up, well, it's not, it doesn't seem to be that large. Just an office building. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it's, it's it, and that's in a good way too because it's not, you know, oh wow, look, they're spending tons of money pouring into this huge, enormous building. Um, it, it's, I think it's a good thing. So that was, that was somewhat surprising, but, but great. So I encourage anybody who's listening to come out. If you have the chance, if you're going through here on vacation or whatever, stop in, especially because pretty soon they're going to be having that, uh, 
it's not going to be too long before the uh, museum opens back up, the, the historical societies or center. For, I don't know what the official name of it is going to be, but... Marston Memorial Historical Center is... A, okay, well, at least we that... I don't know. Uh, there may be additional names tied to the renovation. I'm not sure. Okay. So, but it, it looks like from the plans, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, definitely worth stopping by and seeing, if you, even if you just come for that. So... As far as uh, the magazine goes, as, as you've come in now and you've been um, being the, man the, the e managing editor, I want to make sure I got to get the title right, um, what, is the, what is the overall goal of Light and Life magazine? Sure. Well, the name kind of uh, suggests we're to be uh, light uh, to the world and also the life in Christ. But let me just go back uh, just a little bit with the yeah, history sure. of the magazine because I think that fits in with our goal today, mm -hmm. even though a lot has changed. Uh, Light and Life has been around since 1868. You might read online, uh, 1867, there were some sample copies printed, circulated, but the first edition came out in January 1868, the first mm -hmm. official edition. So it was actually a newspaper called the Free Methodist, eventually that morphed into a magazine named Light and Life. I think it was renamed to fit with the Light and Life Radio Hour, which I believe you've mentioned before on the show. Yeah. Uh, I probably should have fact-checked that before I said it, but <laughs> uh, it was started independently. This is something I learned after I got the job, that it wasn't actually, the denomination didn't start it. It was kind of their, the denomination's blessing was requested, but it was an independent businessman who started it. And, uh, but eventually, uh, for financial reasons, it was taken over by the denomination. And after it was taken over by the denomination, actually, B.T. Roberts, the denominational founder, was, uh, was named the editor. So he, did, he wasn't the first editor. Some people think he was, but he did later. But he also, this is where there's some confusion, he had a publication called The Earnest Christian that started, I believe it started actually before the church was founded that kind of fit into the church being founded. The stuff he was writing was causing some controversy. But uh, So I found a quote where he wrote uh, that he hoped the magazine would uh, by, quote, uncompromising advocacy of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit uh, would make our magazine a favorite and welcome visitor. So um, I feel like that quote, which was from the Earnest Christian, fits well mm. with uh, what, what I want for Light and Life. Mm. Uh, so we're kind of have a dual role, and that's uh, we're a discipleship tool. So we're, you know, uh, magazines that are helping or, I'm sorry, issues that are helping people go deeper in their faith. And yet we're also, uh, we report the news of the Free Methodist Church. So that's where my journalism background comes in. And, you know, somebody might say, well, we're not an unbiased uh, source of reporting. But Christianity <laughs> Today probably isn't going to send a reporter to cover our general conference, you know. And, right. And that's, Absolutely. you are an independent voice of reporting. So that is good that we have that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but we're able to obviously share the news of the church and mm -hmm. uh, do profiles of people. And uh, so I, I definitely see the journalism side of it, too. Uh, a lot of people, there's some misconceptions. Sometimes I hear from pastors that they think the magazine is only for pastors, and that is definitely not the case. So yeah. um, it's for everybody inside the church, but also we want it to be for people outside the church as well. Um, every copy has the, if it's a copy that's sent to a church, it has the church address and the name on it so that if you hand it out to somebody, they'll know, oh, this is where this magazine is from. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's really my goal. It's, uh, we did the we do the Evangelical Press Association contest each year, and some of the they critique uh, our entries. And one of the some of the feedback was, "Well, I can't figure out what age this magazine is for." Um, you, some of the articles seem like they're aimed more toward younger people. Some might appeal more to older people. Well, that's what mm -hmm. I want because I don't. Uh, <laughs> We're for the that's church, good. so yeah. we want to be intergenerational. Yeah, uh, it can be a challenge, you know, putting out a, a magazine that appeals to different age groups. Obviously, uh, you know, that those different age groups wouldn't necessarily prefer the same media. So, uh, but we do our best to uh, be something that would be beneficial to to everyone who would pick it up. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that's definitely good. And like I say, if if you're listening and you never have have heard of this or you you've never read one of the issues, go talk to your pastor and ask him if if ask him or her if they have a uh, if they if they have a copy and if if your church receives it. If not, they can sign up and begin receiving it. Um, I, I I should have added one more thing, and that is that we're one of the only magazines. Uh, definitely the only Christian magazine that I know of that publishes in both English and Spanish in the mm. same edition. So we have a flip format. If you flip it over, it's English on one side, it's Spanish on the other. And uh, we've, we've uh, I mentioned the, the Evangelical Press Association. Uh, they've praised us for that and talked about you know how unique that is. And that's really opened up a whole new audience for us. We were doing, in, certain, in 2011, we started a... Um, a Spanish edition, but it was a separate magazine. Well, mm. the church I attend now in Indianapolis, John Wesley, it was labeled an English church, so it only got the English magazine. Well, once we switched to the flip format, well, there are ESL classes. It's a very we're in a very uh, ethnically diverse neighborhood, so we have quite a few Spanish-speaking people who come to the church for either services or other events. So suddenly, I noticed that the magazine after ESL classes, I would see you know the the Spanish side of the magazine. Uh, put out on tables and open and um, so I think we're reaching a much bigger audience. I had a pastor, uh, I won't tell the the location, but um, he said that there's a public school Spanish teacher in his church who was using the magazine in her public school classes and having the students uh, compare the articles in English and Spanish and I was pretty shocked about that. Yeah. thought that's great (laughs) yeah so uh, yeah so it's it's really something unique that I'm really proud of uh, being a part of and that was really the vision of Jay Cordova who I think maybe an FMC radio show guest at some he he may be yeah to uh, scoop too much what he's going to say (laughs) that's awesome well over the years we've talked a little bit about all the way back to you know 1868 with the free Methodist um, and of course the, even in that, we know the name has changed to Light and Life now, um, and from a newspaper type type feel to it to now a magazine, um, and and churches and and the bishops have been talking recently to churches about recalibration, making changes to the churches. Um, in the same way, um, has the magazine we know we know the name, but has the has the magazine had to make any recalibrations in the recent years? You know, as far as we're living in an increasingly digital world and kind of a lot of changes um, in that regard, have there been any changes recently in that sense? Yes, uh, we publish all of our articles online. I shouldn't say all. There are a few unique elements to the print edition, but for the most part, all of our articles are online at lightandlifemagazine.com and revistaluzevida.com. Uh, obviously, the English ones are on Light and Life, the mm-hmm. Spanish are on the other, and uh, my colleague Mark Crawford, uh, pr- he works hard to promote the articles on social media and make connections there to help spread the word. And it's it's also really cool just when I share stuff from the magazine, I'll see people who I know aren't Christians who are uh, some of my former newspaper colleagues and other friends uh, you know, like stuff and respond to it. And so uh, definitely the technological uh, changes, the social media and the, the digital age have, you know, opened the magazine to a, a new audience of people. Uh, we, we're connecting with people around the world, uh, which I'm sure in the past, you know, some copies of the magazine might make it uh, overseas. But now our Facebook page, we get, it seems like some days we'll get 10, li- 10 likes in a row from somebody in Africa, um, you know, and, and so that's just, it's something to keep in mind too. Sometimes I have to think like the, I try to uh, use humor in my openers columns and yeah. sometimes I don't know that the humor, you know, may, <laughs> it, people who are learning English in other countries may, it may, you know, yeah, not, so. not go over with them. So they may think, and also that goes too for the translation that, uh, I've been told some of my jokes don't translate <laughs> yeah. well. So yeah, uh, I have to, have to try Cuba. to, yeah, keep that in mind. But, um, so, you know, so it's, it's interesting, obviously different people kind of respond to technology in different ways. And I've had some churches call me and just say, you don't need to spend your money sending me a box of magazines to set out. We'll just point people to your website. We can just put it up on our 
uh, PowerPoint, uh, mm. or you know, have it uh, have it in our church bulletin. Run your address. Uh, we still want everybody to get uh, physical copies of the magazines, and I think there's yeah. several several reasons for that. So we want to be digital, but we also do want to be printed. Um, Part of that is um, just you can hand somebody a whole issue of a magazine. We do theme-based issues, so if they're dealing with a specific issue, um, if you you know point them to a website or they might lose you know lose the address or just click on it briefly but miss the other articles. Um, also, I think there's just a deeper connection to someone holding a print magazine. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, if people haven't picked up the print magazine they're less likely to remember the name of the magazine um you know and and see kind of when things are linked off social media a lot of people don't even realize what source they're reading so yeah to have the print magazine uh, i think is still very important but at the same time to connect digitally as well yeah that's great to have both of those resources and I, i think in that example that you gave i mean i don't know the last time i've heard of somebody um, looking in the on the PowerPoint at the church service or in the bulletin and like, oh, I really, you know, go found out about this website because of my bulletin. <laughs> so, right, because they're probably not going to want to pull out their phone and look right. at the church and then hours later they're not Don't even remember, remember it. it. Exactly. So. so, yeah, but that's, and I, I kind of prefer um, the, a physical copy of anything, even just a book or, or, you know, there's so many different ways to read nowadays, digital or the Kindle and all that, but... I think just uh, having a physical copy, being able to highlight things or, you know, being able to pass it on is another big thing, too. Whereas, of course, you can share an article online, um, but there are so many things shared online today that I think, you know, again, it's it's almost one of those things that's easy to overlook. I've had people send me a million things, say, hey, you should read this article. And I say, oh, okay, and then I just never think about it again. But if you have a physical, you know, this magazine to hand somebody that's going to be sitting on their table or it's going to be, you know, in their office or whatever. Okay, there it is again. And you, you see it, you remember. It's not just a link somewhere in a message that you kind of forgot about. So that's great. But then, of course, there are many people that are only connecting through online. So it, it's, it's great to have both of those. Yeah. So in some of these things that you're reporting on, um, you know, it, it um, are obvious, for example, you know, General Conference or FMYC, you you know, you went out there and you reported on what you saw there. Um, but some of these things um, are just unique stories that free Methodist stories of different churches or individuals. Um, and how are you, what is the process of discovering these unique stories to report on for the magazine? Sure. Well, there's are a lot of different ways. Um, just when I was starting out six years ago, mainly all the free Methodists I knew were in the Midwest. Uh, either people I went to college with or people pretty much Illinois, Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we lived in the Chicago area. That's part of the North Central Conference. So Wisconsin, you know, uh, parts of some other states. But uh, I thought, how am I going to connect with people all across the country? So I started friending people on Facebook. That works. And... Uh, had probably some people block me because they wondered who I was. But well, I will, um, I will say this. Every single time I find out about a new free Methodist ministry or something on Facebook, when I like it, it always says, Jeff Finley likes it. So you, I think you've liked every single potential free Methodist-related thing out there. It's probably an excuse. My wife says I'm on Facebook too much. I can say, honey, hey, I'm, it's just work here. You're right. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I found that to be really helpful. Learned a lot about people. Uh, and just uh, so I've seen a lot of things uh, being discussed. I uh, just think of one uh, now, actually, that uh, uh, a young woman from a ch- church in Rochester, New York. This is this is probably about five years ago, but uh, she was invited to speak at a United Nations. She's a, a refugee uh, from Africa. I'm trying to remember which country, but uh, I think I believe it's Burundi and. Um, she uh, was invited to speak at this United Nations conference and uh, with ended up uh, Angelina Jolie introduced her and she met Oprah and all. And so I, I got to report on that. And it was a really cool story that I probably wouldn't have ever heard of except mm. for her pastor put it on Facebook. And so I, I saw that. So, uh, so social media is one way. Um, I also have a Google Alert set up for Free Methodist. So uh, I guess really any website that puts up Free Methodist, 
uh, I'll get an email. I'm sure there's uh, they block out some of the spam, but definitely sure. any news website. So I see a lot of newspaper articles, uh, sometimes TV stations doing stories on our churches, mm -hmm. and so that's been helpful. So I guess I'm not really breaking the news because someone else is reported, but it's usually sure. on the local level, so yeah. uh, then we, we can bring that to a national audience. That's Obviously, awesome. uh, we depend on tips. Superintendents are good to give t tips. Uh, just, you know, other people will email. People themselves will say, hey, there's something going on at my church. So uh, if you want to email me, jeff.finley at fmcusa.org, you can always pass things along. We have a brand new uh, staff writer, Christiana Long, um, who has just joined our team. So I'll be doing probably less reporting and a lot more editing because she'll be on the team. And actually, she just did, a, did an article on the FMC radio show. So uh, that was yeah, her first. That was the first article of hers that I edited was on your show. So And that'll uh, be, that magazine will be coming out next month, I think, right? In October. Uh, yes, think. that is correct. It just went to the printer yesterday. That's awesome. Well, I gotta, yeah, I still, I here at the World Ministry Center, I haven't met her yet, so I'll have to, I don't think I have. I'll have to go see oh, her. She, if I, her office is just over I'll there. Over she there asked that I uh, bring you over after the interview. Okay, so. great. <laughs> well, is there a unique story that you that you will never forget reporting on, something that sticks in your mind? Yeah, well, I, I think really uh, last fall, I believe it was, I went to the... Um, Mexican Provisional General Conference at uh, Rancho Batania. And uh, that was just, you know, I, I wasn't really sure. Jay Cordova thought I should go, and I wasn't really sure because I took some Spanish <laughs> courses, uh, but I have almost no retention of any of the Spanish. So I thought, I'm not going to be able to understand what's going on and why, you know, why and it's probably a waste of money to send me there. But uh, number one, they they translated some of the some of the messages. The bishops came and spoke, and obviously Bishop Roller has no trouble with Spanish, having been a missionary uh, in Latin America. But the other bishops, they were translated, so I understood what yeah. the pre-translation uh, into Spanish I could understand. But uh, just the the I was very warmly greeted by the people, and um, the the Spanish magazine was really intended for the Spanish-speaking churches here in the U.S., but uh, many people send them down to their relatives and uh, friends in Mexico, and so I was kind of treated as a celebrity there, I would say. Nice. Uh, this this uh, little old lady came up to me and said, you're the smile guy, you're the, like, the smile guy. Well, <laughs> the picture that used to run in the magazine of me with the smile, she said, I love your smile, and so there, the I kind of joke that uh, you know how David Hasselhoff is more it goes kind of more appreciated in Germany than the U.S. <laughs> I kind of joke that that's how I am. Uh, yeah. uh, you're you're I famous am in, Mexico. in Mexico. They even joke that uh, some people call me El Jefe uh, because I'm Jeff. <laughs> so I became El Jefe after that. I don't know. It was a nickname here on the team. But yeah, right. it, was, it was just a really cool event, and to be able to see a church that. Uh, was you know really started through a lot of missionary efforts just to be able to become its own general conference is, is a really cool thing that's great well um it's almost the end of the year and so that was so in mexico um that happened this past year or was that, that last that year? was uh, late last year okay so for this year is there anything that stands out from this year in terms of events or anything that you attended this year that you really enjoyed Sure, it's probably a tie between FMYC and E3. Um, okay. You've talked quite a bit about E3, so I'll, I'll just talk, reflect on FMYC especially. Sure. So that's the Free Methodist Youth Conference. Um, I went as a teen, it used to be called IYC, International Youth Conference, but yeah. I'm really, I think it's great that they've really changed the name to emphasize the Free Methodist Connection and just to see uh, the teens from around the country come together and connect. They had great musicians, great speakers, um, the skit guys who are comedians whom uh, you might have seen on YouTube or they're on t some of the Christian TV channels sometimes late at night. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're, they're hilarious. So just to just uh, be part of that and just really to see our bishops connecting with the teens, uh, eating with them in the cafeteria and just... Uh, I think that as a teen, it was helpful for me. I came from a pretty small church, as I mentioned, so just to kind of understand, wow, this is what the Free Methodist Church is, and yeah. uh, to, to connect with different people, and just to see 
Uh, there's a really diverse group of teens from my own church here in, in, in Indianapolis who were there, and I think a lot of them were really kind of learning what this greater uh, thing called the Free Methodist Church is uh, for the first time. So that was just just really neat to see and be part of. Um, yeah, that's great. I wish I would have been able to go this past time. I was I was there in Colorado, same location. In fact, the same speaker, they had him come back. Um, but uh, the the previous time, and um, but it's a, it's a great event, and we've talked very real briefly, I think, about because since I wasn't there, I was able to say much, but um, saying a li- said a little bit here about FMC Radio or FMC Radio about uh, FMYC. Um, but um, I would again, that would be just hearing your story again. Just I would encourage anybody who is able at the next time uh, that that comes up to definitely attend. Encourage your you know youth to attend that. Um, it's a great chance for them to get into an amazing. I mean, if we stripped away everything else, just even the location when you're out there and you get out into the mountains and everything, that's just even the location is worth it. I think. Yeah, going I'll, out I'll there. put in a plug. I've heard some. In, you know, not every church sends their teens, and some say, "Well, we could do, we could go on, you know, a, a trip somewhere else for less money." Well, that's true, but you're not going to get the quality of the um, teaching and the connection and the music. I mean, all in one place, and and really help the the teens understand what it means to be a free Methodist. You're you're not going to get that, and you can, you know, it's it's. Uh, every few years, so you can still do those other trips with your church, definitely. So I would highly encourage everyone to go to it. Yeah, and I think now this is we're we're get I guess we're getting on topic of I, we just keep talking about FMYC, but I do want to say this one more thing too is uh, hearing the reports of you know uh, how many and this happened the last one too, but how many kids are uh, youth are really dedicating their lives, realizing a call to ministry um, at these things too. So it's not just um, doesn't seem to be just like some other conferences that I've been a part of where it's just kind of, oh, it's a high of the summer, oh, it's an exciting trip, okay, now we're back and, you know, do whatever. It's just a fun thing to do. It really is for many, and not just a few, but many, it seems, a life-changing experience. And uh, I know that there were some articles that you can find um, on Light and Life's website about this year's FMYC if you want to know more about that as well. Um, but, okay, so, so what... Uh, um, Moving past FMYC, because I'm sure we could keep talking about that. Um, what, um, what is your favorite part about working here at the World Ministry Center? Well, I would say my favorite part is that I get to have lunch most days with my wife, Jen Finley, who's yeah. the Church Relations Director for International Child Care Ministries. So uh, when we, I used to work in the newspaper industry, as I mentioned, and she directed the out patient program at a children's psychiatric hospital. So uh, we worked some kind of crazy hours, which was difficult to balance with parenthood and everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, meal times even together could be a challenge. So it's just really cool to, we're in different departments, different floors of the World Ministry Center, but uh, just cool to kind of have that connection. Uh, yeah. But also, um, it's it is really great to be in working in the building and just meet the people who are coming here for events like starting strong j term which is the the it's people training for ministry or who are in ministry uh but getting it's some of the classes help with the credits toward ordination so getting to meet people through that i've been able to connect with writers uh future writers for the magazine through these events and just I get to meet them, and then it's also neat uh, that the when the missionaries are on home assignment, they'll come into the building, and uh, they'll sometimes do kind of a trial run of their talk that they go uh, that they'll be giving out at churches, and it's just great to hear about the different ways that they're serving, and um, just really cool. I always loved missionary speakers at at church growing up, and mm-hmm. and even now as an adult, and so to just be in a place, be able to work and. Yeah, uh, well, they'll we'll do lunches sometimes when they're doing their presentation, and it's just great mm-hmm. to to be a part of that. So yeah, seems like a lot is going on. There's always it's always really changing because you got different people for different reasons coming in, so it's always something new happening. So it's it's certainly um, an exciting um, center of of events, and and then on top of that, getting the information in, calls in, or you know, reports in about different places that you're going to be reporting on, and the exciting stories about different free Methodists. Um, 
definitely definitely seems like a great place and I've only you know been here a day and a half but it seems like a good place to work um, now we had Kadoba for lunch now is that something that you get often uh, I like Kadoba uh, <laughs> do they have that here the, for yeah, a lot yes, of lunches uh, okay great well no we don't we normally have mm. to provide our own lunch. Oh, but, no, okay. Uh, <laughs> there's not a buffet every day. <laughs> well, so, I, mean, I like Qdoba because of the queso, but yes. we're probably, we go to Chipotle more. Yeah, yeah, that's the same but for I me. So. Chipotle's maybe a little healthier, but if either <laughs> company wants to endorse your show, okay. uh, I would be glad to add in uh, an endorsement from myself. So Good. I don't mean to alienate alienate anybody on the Qdoba or Chipotle side. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, but we have good, there's a big Thanksgiving dinner here every really? year where they honor the volunteers. So it's kind of a big potluck. Or I've learned, this is something unique about Indiana. They call it a pitchin. Uh, but it's a, uh, I grew up hearing it as a potluck, so I'm still going with that. But anyway, uh, just really cool. The people who also used to work in the building come in and uh, there's quite a few, uh, especially senior citizens who live in the area, who will come in and volunteer, uh, stuffing envelopes, doing whatever needs to be done here in the building. So it's a time to thank them. So that's always a really fun time uh, just to get to know people and kind of celebrate the work of the volunteers. So, yeah, it's a fun place to work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us and taking time out of editing the magazine. and. Uh, and thank you for, for all the work that you do in, in reporting on this stuff and then allowing us to find out about these things in uh, the world. All right, well, thank you, John.